Well, to set this up, I want us to look at the Gospel of Matthew because really the entirety of Matthew is about this subject, the subject of heaven coming here. In fact, when you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, that's what the Gospel of Matthew is about. What you see is that over and over again, Jesus would use this phrase, the kingdom of heaven, and he'd say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is in you. And where we're going to begin today in Matthew chapter 16 really helps explain and gives us a glimpse of what Jesus meant when he said that. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 16. And if you didn't bring your Bible with you, I want to give you some pro tips. One, you can download a free Bible on your phone called the Bible app. Go to Bible.com. And I I just want to encourage you, even if you have one of those leather bound Bibles with pages that you mark up, I want to encourage you to put the Bible on your phone. Why is that? Because if you really want to grow in your relationship with God, you have to read God's word. In fact, I'll tell you, it's impossible to grow in your relationship with God if you're not engaging with God's word. And the easiest way to engage with God's word is to put it on your phone because you have your phone with you all the time. And you can read it when you're waiting in line, when you're in your car and there's a stoplight. No, don't do that. But you can, you know, you can engage with it a lot more frequently. And I'll give you a pro tip. And this is like, like this is, you cannot get this kind of pro tip anyplace else. This might change your life. This might be what you came to church for today. But if you really want to engage with God's word more often on the, on the home screen of, of your phone, most of us are on social media, you know, on Instagram or Facebook, or TikTok, be real because I'm down with the kids today. And uh, whatever your social media app is, okay, take that, put it to the back of your phone, and then put the Bible app in the place where that social media app is. Muscle memory. You will be on your Bible 10 times tomorrow, I'm telling you. That's a good tip. You give a big offering for that one. So uh, I'm going to help you with that. But hey, let's get into God's Word. I want to give you a little context before we get into this. Because where we're going to read Jesus, he's with his disciples. He's taken them to a place outside of Jewish territory, to a place called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was this place that was really kind of a carnal city in the mindset of the Jews. And Jesus, he's not even in the city of Caesarea Philippi. He's outside. He's on the outskirts. He's in a remote place. It's just him and his disciples, this group of 12 late 20-something men, and he's beginning to discuss with them the fruit of their ministry up to this point, and he wants to talk to them about and prepare them for the things that are going to happen, and over the course of this conversation, something is said, and Jesus responds to the moment. It's a really powerful moment. It's significant what happens, and I I want us to look at this because it's going to be the basis for our message today, but starting in verse 13, it says, when Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They answered, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered to him, you are blessed, 
Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. I want to stop here for just a moment. I, I like this part of the story because Peter has a personal revelation, experience, and encounter with who Jesus is. This is my prayer for each person in this room, for anybody who's watching online, that you would have a personal encounter and experience with Jesus because your life will change the moment that you do. You can't just follow Jesus off of somebody else's faith. You need to have a personal experience with Jesus. And Peter, he has this personal revelation of who Jesus is. He declares it. And then Jesus responds. He says, I tell you that you're Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now I got to tell you, I love this verse in particular. This is one of my top 10 favorite verses in the Bible. And there's a lot of verses in the Bible. So to be in the top 10, this one's significant, but th there's all sorts of like wordplay in geographical significance in what Jesus just said. And more than that, it's also the very first time the word church is mentioned in scripture. This verse right here, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now the Greek word, cause the new Testament was written in Greek. The Greek word is Ecclesia. Ecclesia means called out people. And sometimes people will say things like, well, you know, the church isn't a building, it's a people. And that's correct. Church is not a building. It's people. But I also want to tell you, Ecclesia means people who are called out to assemble. So understand the church is not a building. It's people, but it is a gathering. And aren't you glad we don't have to gather outside today? Aren't you glad there's some air conditioning in the building? So just understand that to be the church, you can't be the church by yourself. You can't be the church just sitting at home reading your Bible. You, you can't. The church is a gathering of people. It's an assembly. It's so important that we come together. And what I like though, is Jesus uses the word church the first time it's used and he connects it to this next point. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven and whatever you release on earth will have been released in heaven. And this is where I want to focus for the remainder of our time together is, is, is this idea. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys represent authority and keys represent access. What I want you to hear today is that Jesus is giving you access to all that heaven has available. Now, I didn't say we have the keys to the kingdom, we have the keys of the kingdom. Here's why that's significant. We don't decide what heaven is. We don't determine heaven's purpose, but we have the responsibility and administration of God's will and purpose. We get to be stewards of what God is doing by faith and obedience. We're responsible to administer and access the will and purpose of God from heaven to here. I don't get to decide on earth what heaven is, but whatever God is doing in heaven, I have the responsibility to bring from heaven to here. And I like the way the message Bible 
puts it. I'm, I want to put this on the screen. Message Bible says this. You'll have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. So Jesus tells these young men with no clout, no standing, no influence, no resource. He tells them, hey, I'm about to give you some keys. This isn't keys to a new Bentley. It's not, not keys to a building, not keys to some treasury. He says, I'm going to do something better. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys that will unlock and remove barriers. Keys to access all that heaven offers. Keys to unlock and open heaven in your life. How many of you would like an open heaven over your life? Hopefully all of our hands should go up for that. And that, what I want to do in our time today is give you some keys to an open heaven. Three keys to be specific. Now, I'm not saying that these are the three keys. I'm not saying that there's only three keys. I mean, there's a whole Bible full of keys. But I want to give you three keys today that I believe are important for us, for you and for me, for this season that we're going into. If we're going to access all that heaven offers, if we're going to access what heaven has available here, we're going to have to lean into these specific keys. These keys are going to set you up for success in this season. And here's the first one that I want you to write down if you're taking notes. If we want to access what heaven offers, we need to think heaven's way. To think heaven's way. If we want to experience no more barriers from heaven to here, the first thing we need to do is to think heaven's way. It begins with our thoughts. It begins with our attitudes. It begins with our mindsets. And the reason it has to start here is because this is where Jesus started. You remember I said when Jesus would preach, the book of Matthew, Jesus would preach about the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Everything he would say was about this idea. In fact, the very first thing that Jesus said when he began his ministry is found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, the very first words of Jesus when he started his ministry says, or 17, sorry, says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His first announcement was that heaven is here. And if you want to experience it, first step is to repent. Now, lots of times when we think about repent, what we think is to express sorrow. We think to express remorse, maybe it's some act of contrition, and that can definitely be a byproduct of repentance. But I, I want to help us change our paradigm about repentance because repentance is not simply apologizing, being remorseful, being sorrowful. Repentance literally is to change our way of thinking. It means to change our mind. The, the literal word repent means to turn. In other words, to turn away from your preference, idea, opinion, selfishness, self-centeredness, and turn toward God. To, to turn away from evil, turn 
toward God, to turn away from sin and turn toward God. When we repent, we're, we're turning, turning from our path and our course and turning toward heaven's way, heaven's way of thinking, to change our mind, change our thought process. It requires a new way of thinking. And this is what a, what a lot of us need to do when it comes to accessing heaven's kingdom, God's kingdom of heaven. We've had the wrong idea and the wrong mindset about the way of Jesus. We've approached God sometimes like, like his way is burdensome or his way is incomplete or his way is ineffective or his way is limited or his way is inconsiderate or his way is outdated. And I say we approach God like his way is outdated or incomplete, but maybe more accurate to say we don't approach God. This is what keeps us at a distance. We, we stay at a distance because we have this view that God's way is burdensome or ineffective. But if we're going to think heaven's way, we need to change our way of thinking. And I want you to notice the results of heaven's way. Now, this is the same chapter, Matthew chapter 4. If we go from verse 17 to verse 23, Jesus began to preach this gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And it says, as he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, what was the kingdom of heaven, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Notice heaven's results. Heaven's way isn't burdensome. It's light. Heaven's way isn't limiting. It's freeing. Heaven's way isn't harmful. It helps people. It brings healing. It, it brings hope. Heaven's way has good results. And God wants you to know it. God wants you to have it. God wants you to experience it. But it can't be received unless you repent, unless you change your way of thinking. You can't experience heaven's way unless you turn from your way. So I want to encourage you to change the way you think about God today. Whatever roadblocks, whatever mindsets, whatever ideas you've had to think that's outdated, that doesn't work, that doesn't make sense, that's unkind. I want to encourage you to change your approach because repentance really just challenges us with this question. Is your way working? Is, is your way working? Well, we need to acknowledge that some of our ideas, some of our philosophies, some of the things that we've accepted as normal in our culture aren't helping us. I'm not saying they're evil. I'm saying they're sinful. I'm just saying that they're not helpful. And I know sometimes it can be a challenge for people sometimes. So I, I just want to introduce this thought to you, and, and maybe this would be something that you want to embrace in your life, is just to pray this prayer. God, I trust you. God, I, I want to think your way. I want to think in line with your word, with your truth. Help me to trust you more. Pray something like that. God, your, your word is the authority in my life. For the, for the areas and the things that are hard to understand, for the things that don't make sense, fill the gaps. 
God, God, help me understand. Bring clarity to this area in my life. Just to begin to say, God, I want to be aligned with your way of thinking. See, the, the difference between heaven's way and our way is, is really just the difference between being spiritually minded and carnally minded. Carnal doesn't mean sinful necessarily. Carnal just means fleshly, just natural, just not spiritual. Fle carne, fleshly, like carne asada, like grilled meat. I've been working on my Spanish. Is that good? You like that? Thanks mucho. It means a lot. Carnal, carnally, carnally minded. And you're not thinking with the spiritual part, you're just thinking with the, the fleshly part of you, not heavenly minded, earthly minded. And the reason this is important is if you try to serve God or live for God without thinking heaven's way, you're going to end up frustrated because you're living by a different standard. You'll be living by the thoughts and philosophies of this world and you'll miss out on the privileges and the benefits that Jesus came to bring you. So that's why we need to repent. Turn from our way toward heaven's way. Think heaven's way. But the second thing we need to do, we need to think heaven's way. The second thing is we need to pray heaven's will. Pray heaven's will. Now, lately, really for the last month, I've been burdened to pray more. And I don't know if that is encouraging to you or discouraging to you that maybe you think your pastor wasn't praying enough, but I've been uh, really had this burden to pray more. And there's, there's a part of that. I'll just explain what that looks like for me. Um, part of the way I've been praying more, I've been praying the Lord's prayer more. You guys familiar with the, the Lord's prayer? And uh, I've actually just been saying like the Lord's, the, the, the words in the Lord's prayer, I've been praying it more, more often. And I'm not trying to, you know, like make this out to be like, these are some kind of magic words and just say them enough. Like it's not that, but I, I've been praying a lot. Honestly, I feel a little Catholic about it. If you want to know the truth, but I've been saying this and, um, what I want to share with you about praying heaven's will, this may be one of the biggest keys that has changed my prayer life. And I thought it'd be good. Maybe you don't know the Lord's prayer. You know, we call it the Lord's prayer. It's really not the Lord's prayer. It's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. But I, I thought it'd be good to say it together. And, um, this is, uh, this is the, the old English translation. So we can say it together. Jesus said in this manner, I want you to pray, right? Our father in, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I mean, you guys said that so good, almost like you grew up in church saying that. And so I've been praying this a lot. And you know, part of the reason I like praying this prayer, just for one reason, is it requires me to be unselfish. Have you noticed that? Like, you cannot pray this prayer just for yourself. It's 
our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. So you can't just pray it for yourself. It you, requires you to be unselfish and pray for others. It also requires you to be in community because you've got to think about who the us is. So when I'm praying this, you, know, you can't just be by yourself. You, praying for my family, praying for you, praying for our church, praying for other pastors and, and ministries, praying this. So I like for that reason. But what I really like, a lot of things, but what I want to talk about today, what I like is verse 10 says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This idea, we're praying, God, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, understand this is not like a disclaimer that it's our job to try to build a utopia here on earth. That's impossible. Secondly, utopia is a human idea. Any attempt to try to build some kind of perfection is always going to fall short until the day when the Lord comes. But it does tell us to pray that God's kingdom would come and to pray heaven's will on earth. Now, when I say heaven's will, understand, I mean God's will. God's, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I'm saying heaven's will because the season's called from heaven to here, and I like the alliteration, full disclosure. But this is also theologically correct, by the way, because Matthew says the kingdom of heaven. The other gospel writers say the kingdom of God. Those two terms are interchangeable, so just... It's theologically sound. But I talk about pray heaven's will. More than just the alliteration, I think sometimes the, the word denotes something that's helpful when we're talking about the place, the location, that you don't just get by talking about God's will. When we're talking about thinking heaven's way, praying heaven's will. It provides a context and a clarity that doesn't come just by thinking about what is God's will. Let me put it to you this way. What is heaven like? If, if I were to ask you, like, what are the distinguishing characteristics and attributes about heaven? I wonder what some of the things you would say. I wonder what they would be. Maybe you'd say, well, heaven is a place of blessing. Maybe you would say heaven is a place of righteousness. Heaven is a place where God's presence is. It's where God can be fully known. It's definitely a place of peace. It's a place of joy. It's a place where there is no lack. It's a place where there's no sickness, no sorrow. So just by thinking about what heaven is like, and then we're told to pray, God, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven, it gives us a specificity to our prayers that makes them powerful. It, it clarifies the direction and intention of our prayers. And a specific prayer is a powerful prayer. See, praying with what we know God's will is ultimately informs how we can pray immediately. We're not waiting for just someday what he's going to do, what it's going to be like. We're going to be a part of the solution and the way we pray right now, here. I also like the fact it orders our intention. Because sometimes, you know, a lot of our prayers are 
my kingdom come, my will be done. So it's good to think about, okay, God, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Just beginning to pray heaven's will. So you got to think heaven's way. You got to pray heaven's will. But the last thing we need to do is to declare heaven's word. Declare heaven's word. And this is really the powerful part of our theme scripture because it's not just what Jesus said. What stuck out to me is what prompted it. I don't know if you saw this, so let's look at it again together. The whole key that unlocks this powerful response from Jesus was all in something that Peter said. Jesus asked the question, and it says, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, you're blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. This wasn't carnal. This wasn't fleshy. It says, this came to you by my Father in heaven. Now, look at this. Peter declared a word from heaven. He declared a truth, something that he received from God in heaven. He, he declared a word from heaven. But think a little more deeply about this for a moment. What he said, honestly, I, I know we're reading the Bible in hindsight, but it was, was really not that profound. Like, Jesus knew who he was. It wasn't a mystery to Jesus. So Jesus did not need Peter to say this for his benefit. Secondly, Peter and the disciples, they, they must have had some belief and idea of who Jesus was. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given their lives to follow him, right? They're, they're following him because they believe that he's the Messiah. So Jesus knew who he was. Peter knew who he was. The disciples had this idea, this belief. It's not like by saying this, now all of a sudden he believed it, and they're in a remote place. There's nobody else around. It's not like he's saying this for the benefit of the listeners. So what was so significant about saying something that was already true? Saying something that people already knew. I guess what I wanted to show you is that what we see in the text is that there's something about declaring a word from heaven that causes Jesus to respond. How did he respond? He said, Peter, you're blessed because you said a word from heaven. Now, I know this sounds so basic, but as we go into this next season, if I could just encourage you with a simple truth, to just begin to say what God has said. I'm not saying that you believe it anymore after you say it, before you say it. I'm not saying that you need to say it in order to believe it or people need to. I'm just saying what we see is that there's something about declaring a word from heaven that causes Jesus to respond. And as we go into this next season, if you would just begin those, those moments when maybe, may, maybe you feel insecure, maybe you need to declare a word from heaven. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe those moments where you're worried about the future, you need to declare a word from heaven. I am confident 
that he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion. Maybe if you're worried about a financial issue, you need to declare a word from heaven. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. To just declare heaven's word over your life. You need wisdom? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Say, God, I'm trusting in you. I don't know how to deal with this situation. I'm leaning on you. I'm not leaning to my own understanding, my own ways of thinking. God, direct my steps. God, guide my path. And this whole, this whole thing here, it has some declarations for you to say. If you didn't get a chance to get the digital version of that, some things that you could just begin to declare over just heaven's word. There's something about declaring a word from heaven that causes Jesus to respond in your life. And truthfully, what we see, if you really want to unlock all that heaven has to offer, it begins with the very same thing that Peter said. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God.